0: Hello and welcome to The Naked Podcaster, stripping with my daughter. I'm Jen, the mom and host of The Naked Podcaster.
1: And I'm Alana. I'm the daughter and co-host. We're sharing our insight on tough topics from the perspective of the parent and the child.
0: I'm so glad you joined us on this journey. Let's get started. Woot. Woot. Alana, today we are talking about...
1: Anxiety, depression, with a little bit of addiction.
0: So, anxiety, depression, and addiction, they could probably be three shows on their own. I, ta- I, I suggested anxiety and depression, and you wanted to add addic- addiction. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was like, oh, that's interesting.
1: They can go together, though.
0: They can. So, we're going to dive in. I'm going to start by saying I don't have anxiety or depression, and I never have. I think at this point I'm probably the minority that doesn't mean I haven't gotten nervous going on stage it doesn't mean I don't get worried about stuff or sad it just, just means you
1: don't you're anxious
0: right I don't and I don't stay in that state I just get nervous about something and then I'm good so uh, anxiety is completely different <laughs> I yeah. have been Surrounded by anxiety from my younger sister growing up, and I have dated people with anxiety. Um, You have kids with anxiety, and I have kids with this with anxiety. So, uh, anxiety I mean, being nervous or worried or uneasy is something common. Mm-hmm. When you go meet somebody for the first time, for example, or you're you have to do a talk in class, but this is actually excessive uneasiness, and it can it can accompanying is compulsive behavior and or panic attacks. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna dive into that, Lana. You didn't grow up having
1: anxiety, but no, but I've I've gotten. More and more anxiety the longer I'm alive. That'd be Um, good to stop. (laughs) You're telling me. No, growing up, I was like a little social butterfly. Would I never stayed in one set friend group? I always bounced around because I knew everyone, and like I was super friendly and outgoing. According to everyone I know, like, but just. Over time, I've stopped being as much of a socialite because, like, it's just just talking to people and going out. Like, this weekend, I'm being dragged out by my classmates to go hang out with another class. Like, I'm already dreading it, and, like, I, I, don't, I don't want to. It's like the anxiety is already starting to, like, set in about something that's a couple days away, I'm like, I have bad test anxiety, which that one's a lot more common. But there's different forms of anxiety and there's different levels. And I feel like everyone can relate to one or the other, but on a more mild level. Definitely. All right. We all get nervous. We all get anxious.
0: But I know I have experienced my entire life being around people that actually have anxiety attacks where you feel like your heart hurts, it feels almost like a heart attack, you can't breathe, and how helpless that feels to be with that person and really not be able to do anything except hold space for them while they go through it. I know with one of your siblings... She asked me recently what was difficult about her being at the end of high school because you know when you guys become anxiety. seniors yeah when you guys become seniors you get a little more difficult and I said the the only thing about her that was hard was that when I disciplined her at that age and maybe she wasn't making the best decisions it would often
1: send her into this massive panic attack where then mm-hmm. we weren't
0: dealing with the issue that was
1: going on We were dealing with the anxiety and the panic attack.
0: Right. And, you know, you have a couple adult sisters, siblings. You have several siblings, actually, who have anxiety at one level or another. And it's really, I'm not minimizing what she's going through because I can't imagine Mm -hmm. feeling the way any of your siblings feel when they have an anxiety attack. And I know one of your brothers has had one. Uh, has had. I've had them. Right.
1: But (laughs) man, there's different levels.
0: Uh, It's hard to to be on the other side too.
1: I've seen the other levels. I've helped other people go through them. I had a friend in high school who had really bad anxiety and almost every time she had a final, like right before that class, she would just like collapse on, on herself in the bathroom and just I I would always send a runner up to what, her classroom be like, yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, that's normal. Like, it was to the point where the teachers wouldn't bat an eye at it. And, like, because of that, like, I know little tips and tricks to help them through it easier. Like, curl up in a ball, put your head between your knees, and think about five things for every sentence. So list five things you can hear, five things you can smell, five things you can feel. Like, just keep doing that. Like, that, that doesn't help the anxiety, but it brings them out of that attack. And, like, I'm, I mean, I'm far from a medical professional, but, like, it, it helps. And if it helps, it should be done more. Ditto. But most No no medical professional. <laughs> most people don't even know what to do when they see people having an anxiety attack. I think the, the biggest thing is just holding that space and
0: different things might work for different people. I know mm-hmm. breathing. Um, breathing helps a lot. And also, as they're breathing and as they can, and we're talking like hyperventilating, thinking you're having a heart attack, sometimes throwing up. Um, at the worst moment, passing out.
1: So, oh, geez, yeah, I,
0: I know I've ex- I've experienced, and you've. I mean, I've experienced sitting there holding space with anxiety attacks many, many, many times. That. Um, you're really scared for this person and all mm-hmm. you can do is sit with them through that in every in every situation I've been in and maybe it's because I've known the person very closely. So with someone who's a stranger, my approach would be the same, but I'm not sure if it would help the same way, but that's touching them.
1: Well, yeah, it's a king group care, Even if it's a stranger, king Group hair. So I always touch them or hold them. Rub their back,
0: tell them to breathe, and as they can, to talk about whatever comes up. And it's very disjointed.
1: Oh yeah, they. Well, you're you're in a lot of pain that you can't breathe. You have things going through your brain a mile a minute. It's hard to form a coherent sentence. But it it it's scary. It's scary for both
0: people Mm -hmm. and just not knowing from the person going through it, like if you're going to get through it. And Mm -hmm. I know in one situation, I wasn't right there. So it was a phone call and I said, you know, the car had been broken into.
1: Oh, I remember that.
0: You know, the You okay, you have to call 911, do that. When 911 isn't on the phone with you, you can call me back. The police are going to show up. And when we hit that point in the conversation, I said, I I am not there. And when the police shows up, he will instantly want to call an ambulance and bring you to the hospital. I don't want to go to the hospital. That made the anxiety. I'm not trying to make the anxiety worse. I'm letting you know. What's about to happen? And if you can't get your breathing under control a little bit and be able to talk to the police officer, then you'll, you need to go to the hospital. That's not a bad thing. Not that there's anything specifically they can do. I mean, they can give you Valium. They can give you something to relax. But, but basically, you have to work. So if you don't want to go to the hospital, so it was a little, it was gentle, but it was tough love.
1: Right. Well, sometimes that's all you can give.
0: Right. And that's super, super hard um, when things are just racing through your mind. And anxiety doesn't make sense. Nothing about it necessarily, like you said, you have a million thoughts going through your head. And it it, it doesn't make sense. And especially for someone who's not having them and doesn't have them. It's a completely, mm-hmm. it's a huge reaction to something in a way that is, you know, completely not helpful to you. to the- Right. And it, it's not logical. And I'm not saying that as a put-down at all. Um, It's a very illogical reaction to something that is emotional. And logic and emotion don't play well in the sandbox. So sometimes for the person on the outside, it's really hard to understand what's going on.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. You don't know what's going on on or like sometimes you have an idea of what set it off but it it could also be a build-up of all these little things until a breaking point well i i know that's how it is for me anyways i think, like, I think
0: that that's very true so it's not one thing it's like the final no trigger. it can be the final it's the final trigger often and sometimes i know with some people it it's like always just lurking right
1: below the surface
0: and it's unpredictable
1: You never know when they're going to come. And that makes it worse sometimes because you don't know and you feel the buildup and you know it's coming, but you can never pinpoint when it is because you you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to set it off, what that last little thing's going to be where you just can't do it anymore. And it it makes it hard. I know just, it's scary for the person too. Yeah.
0: Because and I mean you may have physical symptoms like pain in your chest or difficulty breathing, but on top of that, the anxiety it, it is absolutely completely consuming for that person and the emotion, just the emotional part of it is terrifying. Mhm. So you you started getting anxiety
1: after an accident, which I think is interesting. Well, I looked it up, and there's different parts of your brain and the con- – words. Um, I was actually talking to one of my friends here, and he had the opposite thing happen. Growing up, he was really shy and reserved and had really bad anxiety. But after he had gotten a concussion, he became – the opposite very outgoing very ambitious and just no more anxiety and we were talking laughing about how we had swapped places but i i'd gotten a concussion and i was knocked unconscious i never told you about this concussion uh mostly because i was scared you were going to like i i didn't tell you cuz i didn't want you to worry cuz i was okay but i'd been in a car accident The car was fine. We drove away. But, like, I had a bad concussion and was unconscious. I did what I was supposed to. I stayed up for 10 hours. I didn't do anything stupid. But, like, after a week, I realized that I would get anxious a lot more. Like, I'd I'd gotten anxious around, like, finals, but never a continuous thing. And it's just gotten worse and worse over time and i don't know if that was from the actual concussion or because of the accident but like i've just become more and more anxious about just life and i've i've kind of become a different personality personality than who i was growing up cuz i'm not very ambitious and outgoing I'm not so much of an extrovert anymore. I'm more isolated and by myself because things are easier to control and deal with if it's just me. And I'm not just talking about anxiety. Like so I just have more and more anxiety which makes things harder. I actually had like an anxiety attack. I'm a milder one last week which was it it was it was it sucked
0: none of them are good and you know as i've i've had three major concussions so i think all all kinds of weird stuff can happen from that so for me because Mm it it wasn't your normal personality and it is more now i would say as from a mom and an adult you could you could probably work through a lot of that through some sort of
1: therapy. Right. It's and just going and you, doing that. Yeah, it's
0: going and doing that. But that's part of a self care thing. You don't want well, if you're if you're basically extroverted and you miss that and want that and don't like how this feels and you're like self preservation of keeping yourself mm-hmm. alone then you would want to figure out what happened and why and how to remedy it. I think no matter what, some sort of therapy is helpful. And I sometimes it's traditional therapy, going in and talking to, to someone about stuff. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I I think you should be open to anything. There's hypnotherapy, there's NLP, there's EMDR, energy work. Energy work, I thought, oh, that's woo-woo and it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> and once I met an energy worker who was a physicist and explained the science to me and I could make the logical connection, it is absolutely it made my, sense. It's And it's my favorite. Energy work is my favorite modality um, for getting help on any kind of – for anything. And what I see is a person who's really, really, really struggling and – sometimes it's every once in a while and sometimes it's really often and how debilitating that is Mm -hmm. and i don't you don't want i don't want someone to feel that way and live that way and and have to that's a heavy anxiety is a really heavy load to carry
1: and you don't want anyone to go through that
0: no, so when we're talking about the kids and stuff, I think the tips and tricks and help we can get out of this is you can find different modalities of, of help that mm-hmm. work. Everyone is a little different in what speaks to them, and, but it's, it's absolutely possible to get past that. I know you and one of your older siblings – have the same sort of attitude and she's had anxiety most of her life and it's i i would have to say if i'm ranking hers has been worse
1: i believe that
0: um like i'm not minimizing your anxiety but Mm -hmm. her anxiety attacks have been more frequent for most of her life and worse and she's very introverted by nature and she's older now and you know has lived on her own for a while and she's learned to power through them, and that's how you describe. So what you two do, you, you know you have anxiety, you recognize you have anxiety, you've either tried to get help, or you're not ready to, or you're not sure it will, or whatever. Right. Um, but you've hit a point where it, you have made it manageable. So tell me about how you do that, because I know that your stories are similar. Well,
1: for me like last week I had one and the thing that set it off was I was I ordered food and it was supposed to get delivered and I ordered it around 1 and they just the app I ordered through kept messing up I'm like I kept trying to talk to representatives and they just kept blowing me off like and it was just I hadn't eaten all day and that just set me off and I just, I could not stop crying and I had to get ready for work and I had to be somewhere by three twenty. and the food said it would be delivered at three Oh seven. So I got ready and waited and like kept holding myself together and was just like, if I get the food, I can eat and things will be okay. And then they kept, pushing it back. And then it was just like, Oh, will will be here till three And I was just like, you know, what? that's it. Screw the food. I'm just, whatever. Just gonna, you know, go. And like, I just, I was a hot mess. And I just, I felt so bad for the CQ people. Like the, we joke about it now, but like, I couldn't stop crying. I just kept pacing around because like, if I sit still, it gets worse, and I know that. So I kept forcing myself to move and walk around. And I was just like, don't mind me, guys. Just ignore me. I'm just going to walk over here and cry, then walk over there and cry, and just keep walking and crying. And they just kind of sat there like, yeah, okay. Um, but I, I know for me, if I stop moving and sit down, I won't get up for a couple hours and because I had somewhere I needed to be and like I I had to go to work to class whatever it's called but like I just had to go and so I I powered through it I walked and was kind of crying the entire time while like I really just wanted to curl up in my bed and just say fuck you to the world for that day, but I'm not allowed to do that. And so. And even I if just, you're allowed to, that may not be the best choice. Well, yeah, I think because I wasn't allowed to, and I know I didn't have the option, and the only other option was to go to a doctor, like that kind of forced me to force myself. To not let myself fully break down. And so I just like sped walked everywhere that day after that to keep myself moving so I could keep it kind of at bay. Keep myself busy so that I couldn't focus on it because I, I had to focus on class. But then I was only in class for a couple hours, for like two and a half hours. And then I was sent to lunch for two hours. So I went and I was just like, okay, eat first because I hadn't eaten all day. And then I went to the bathroom and just bawled. I didn't let myself curl up or anything. I just cried for a solid 50 minutes. I was just in a bathroom stall crying my eyes out. And that's all I would let myself do just to get it all out like kind of de-stressed and then I like cleaned myself up and was just like okay go eat again and go to class because you need to study um because I I had a test that day also which made it worse and I did worse on that test than I had done on a test in a while because I was still so out of it okay um, I mean I got an 88 but like my normal's a 96
0: so it just so kind of makes every does it make everything fuzzy or you're just disconnected or you I'm
1: not focused Okay. a little bit of all the above I was very out of it I couldn't think like I would read the question five times know the answer but it just wouldn't connect so it just, I'm I'm glad it was that day, but it also sucks it was that day because I did have a test, but because everyone passed the test, we got to watch a movie for the rest of class. So it was low-key day. It was a very low-key day, which helped. So I was able to just sit and unwind. I don't even remember what movie we watched because I wasn't really watching it. I was just... Having a silent breakdown. So stati- statistically, hello. hello
0: um, statistically, eight percent of children and teenagers experience anxiety. Most people develop symptoms before twenty-one, and of adults, it's eighteen percent. So you can see eight percent to eighteen. You know, you, it moves mm-hmm. up as you're an adult. Eighteen percent of the population, and anxiety is considered highly treatable, but only 37% of people with anxiety get treatment. So you have like this population of 63% of people with anxiety who aren't getting help. And there's five different types. So as we're talking about the difference between you and your sisters or um different people and there there are different levels like one of your siblings has um anxiety but she has ocd and it's yeah <laughs> that is a type of anxiety all the way to ptsd so you can have it generalized, which is more like I believe what you are. And then you can have panic disorder, which is one of your sisters who called me when, you know, her car broke, got broken into and I and, – I and called I, I her that day too. Right. And I always try to connect you guys as siblings if I hear from you because I know you can help each other in different ways, just as siblings mm-hmm. but also as someone experience it. Um, so – Here's the problem, though. There are some triggers in anxiety. I want to talk a little bit at some point in our conversation that, you know, we can talk about suicide, and some people that are suicidal have depression, but not all. Some people with anxiety have depression, but not all. So, not all. A lot of these things go hand in hand, but it doesn't mean you necessarily have them. And you brought up addiction. So I'm actually, I actually want to jump into that first because there are 11 major triggers to anxiety and uh, I want to, let's, can we chat about those?
1: Well, yeah. Okay. I don't know all 11 because. Well. Well. I looked up stats Oh, <laughs> just because well, I didn't know what we were talking about until like 10 minutes before this meeting.
0: Well, I know cause we usually oh, decide yeah.
1: last minute cause we just jump in. We just, on. we just have a big list and it's whatever we're in the mood for that day. And,
0: and sometimes, yet. sometimes it it's based on what things that we, that are coming up in our life. Or line. what have
1: happened.
0: Yeah. Like with, with, with 18 kids, certain things continue to like, present themselves, right? And so anxiety mm-hmm. is an issue that has been presenting itself lately within our family, so it's easy to discuss. Because, um, you know,
1: kind of... Because
0: we're living it a lot. It. So the first one are health issues. So it can be uh, a really traumatic thing, like you find out you have cancer or you have a chronic oh. illness. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. that, that would... I can see how that would happen. So
0: that that can be like as an adult, when you go from that 8% to the 18%, although it's usually by 21, mm-hmm. and an illness or something shocking like that can happen. Um, medications can can trigger anxiety. It, it can be even like cough medicine, birth control pills. Oh, wow. Um, right? So you need to really look at, one, those are the first two things that we just talked about or medical where you could discuss things with a doctor. So, like, for you, where it came on after a traumatic accident, an event that affected your health, you could see was it the event that did it or is there something that you're taking?
1: Yeah, I don't know because I never went to the doctor or talked about it.
0: And I know you're not on any medication. You're not on birth control pills. There's nothing. Right. But, I mean – You know, you can talk to someone from a medical standpoint. Caffeine. So I want you to think about your siblings that have anxiety, that struggle with it the most, (laughs) and yourself, and this is going to be so fun. So caffeine. Now, you do not take caffeine because you're allergic to coffee, and so Mm -hmm. if you get it, it's not from that. It might be a Red Bull or something like that, but... I
1: I rarely drink energy drinks.
0: Right. So, so these are like I said. Like medically, maybe that was a trigger initially, and now you're kind of caught in that time warp of anxiety mm-hmm. attacks from the car accident. But uh, caffeine is one. Skipping meals, huh? That's weird. Ooh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I can see how that might be relatable. <laughs> oh yeah my stomach's trembling too while we're doing this okay yeah well you
0: know you should so i know like specifically for you but i'm looking at your other siblings caffeine yeah caffeine would be something i would tell them to cut out and eat regularly and not skipping meals so Mm. yeah it's based off of your blood sugar dropping so when you just disclose this horrible anxiety attack because the anxiety looks like it came from them screwing up your delivery order when in fact
1: I hadn't eaten all day right there was also a lot that built up to that point right that was just like I lost well I think when you know that
0: anxiety is in is at play in your life there are things that you need to probably structure a little bit differently to minimize that and one would be caffeine and one would be eating more regularly. You know, the next one is negative thinking. So if you're upset or frustrated, like you said, there are all these little triggers that lead up mm-hmm. to it. Um, th- that can, that can help. So I think it's a drop in the bucket when you describe it and siblings describe it and my sister describes it and my partner describes it. Um, There's not any, like, if I say what triggered this, nothing. Everything. And every, right? Okay, I just, we just gave two different answers that are both accurate. Nothing Mm -hmm. and everything. Okay. So, positive self-talk and not having negativity. Financial concerns is a huge one. So, (laughs) Right? Yeah. Uh, For some people who are more introverted, and you can relate to this and I can relate to this, although we're predominantly extroverts, Mm -hmm. um, parties and social events, being around strangers.
1: See, that's gotten harder for me.
0: Because you're worried that you're going to have an anxiety attack.
1: Yeah. Like this weekend, I'm going out with like most of the people in my class and most of the people in – A different class and there's only eight people in a class and out of my class there's like four of us going and like we're filling up two cars so ten people total and like just thinking about me hanging out with nine other people like my social battery's already draining and that's on Saturday it's just like I I can see how, I can see how all of these relate. Yeah.
0: And it doesn't have to be all of them. What I like about this is it talks about the triggers and then you realize that there are some things you can avoid. So at parties and social events, it says to bring someone that's a companion. Now, I know one of your siblings does that, but I would have to say, you need to be careful with the person that you choose.
1: They kind of have to be, you know, responsible right and you know have their life somewhat together too
0: or really understand anxiety and be able to talk you down but be a kind of a step ahead and so i mean you might be a hot mess you know like a total shit show who's really good at talking someone down but that's not necessarily the best combination
1: yeah i don't think the answer is another shot though
0: Okay, so we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Um, Another, I want to keep going down the list. One is conflict, and one is stress. Again, social events, conflict, stress. Oh, that just sounds like life? Right. Okay, so let's talk about that. That it's life. So the triggers. Right, but it's a matter of um, processing those things in a way,
1: dealing with them one at a time.
0: And then public events or performances, which if you have major anxiety, unless you have a desire to push through, public speaking is supposed to be like the most feared thing in life. If if it's like that and you have anxiety, unless you are challenging yourself on purpose, I would say do anything you can to not do those. Like let's. I had to do that. Oh right. My goodness. Let's eliminate. And then also, um, there can be personal triggers which are very unique to to the mm-hmm. person. So, of these, you can minimize caffeine, and you can minimize social events, and you can try to minimize conflict and stress. And you can eat regularly. You and- can eat, and you can streamline your finances. You can avoid caffeine. Those are things that are going to help, but um, I'm, we're going to talk about self-medicating. So, so
1: self medicating does not always work.
0: I think it like, almost never does.
1: I mean, it works for some people. They find out what works for them, and it's in a healthy way. Like, like I know for you, if you don't run, you get really cranky. Right. It's a so way like to there's stress. There's some ways that are healthy, like running. Or I used to get out all my stress by rock climbing or running. I can't really work out at all right now. And that just makes things worse. Correct, so I
0: run and if I don't run I get cranky, which that's totally fair way to say it. Mm -hmm. The thing is is that you can look at a million different studies that have been done scientifically over a long period of time with many people about the effects, one of exercise, two of just being outside. Walking 20 minutes outside off of city streets. It doesn't have to be on a trail in the middle of a forest, but Uh -uh. in nature without the distractions of the city. So 20 minutes, what 20 minutes does to your brain being outside in the sun, what sunshine does to you, what exercise does to you, and what smiling does to you. So we have, that's four different things that you have total control over. Smiling at people, just smiling at people. Well, Smiling at people can make their day, too. Their day, but it also triggers things within your brain. And then getting outside. Yeah. So where you just said, you know, if you don't go for a run, you get cranky. Yes. And if I don't run, like when I was in a boot for six months and I could not <laughs> exercise, it's not like I was this raging bitch. Okay. Well, no. Right? You felt something else. I, I also know that... Before I knew the science behind it, it regulated me. It I, I was the best version of myself if I got myself outside and went for a run. So I'm doing three of those four things. I'm outside. I'm in sunshine, and I'm exercising all at one time, and um, that that really helped me decompress. And I'm not an mm-hmm. introvert, so I don't think to process. I talk to process, but it taught me how to think to process more because when you're exercising, when I'm running, when you're rock climbing, the thoughts that kind of start coming unfiltered when you relax just a little bit are so different than how you think when you're not in that activity. Mm -hmm. And there's a ton of science to prove that. So no matter what, if you're suicidal or have depression or you have anxiety or or you're really struggling with negative thoughts, I'm going to tell you to do the same four things. The same four mm-hmm. things are scientifically proven. There's, there's great information on what smiling does. Uh, a couple of years ago, at, uh, the, the girls, when three girls graduated and I went to the graduation. Oh, yeah. Okay. Were you there when, when the two of them graduated from Damani? I don't remember. There was a girl that got... was that? It wasn't, it was a year ago, a year and a few months ago. So I don't know if you were there, but there was a girl that got up to speak and she got up to speak because she earned the superlative of like, um, smiles the most or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she got up to give her talk and she said, you know, I, I earned this superlative, which is interesting because in my freshman year, I tried to commit suicide and about how, and what a dark place she was as like a 14-year-old and all of her thoughts. And she decided when it wasn't successful that she would just start smiling. She didn't know the science behind it. She was just kind of like, let's fake it to make it.
1: And it right. started
0: to be transformational. And, you know, within three, within four, a four-year span of time through high school, mm-hmm. she gets this happiest person, most smiley, you know. and This award this award, but through that process, she, when it it was, I'm imagining and she expressed, it's kind of confusing that you're smiling at people, but this change is happening inside you. And she started looking into the science behind it and how powerful it is. And, you know, she's a teenager. Mm -hmm. She's not an adult. Frontal lobe's not fully formed. She went through this process and it's just really it's really powerful what these four things can do, so people can look that up on their own, and I 'm all about fake it till you make it you're oh, yeah <laughs> you might yeah. be smiling at people in the grocery store and wanting to die inside, yeah, but you're open, so. There are all these things we can do to reduce anxiety and we can also know that it's treatable and not even 50%, not even 40% of people who suffer from anxiety are actually getting help for it. So there is help and then there are all these things you can do to -hmm. help with it. Yeah. So let's talk about self-medicating because when I drink, what I love is that I hit this point where,
1: where my shoulders, shoulders
0: drop. drop. <sighs> yeah, I've asked like, you guys about this. Like,
1: Do you feel like like a empty? sigh?
0: Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, that's the best it's way to put it.
1: Like your shoulders drop, everything relaxes, and it's just a decompressing sigh of relief. And I think for me, I don't
0: realize how much I hold tension because I feel happy and I don't feel mm-hmm. tense or upset. I, do, I, don't, I have a very optimistic, upbeat attitude almost always. I don't drink to escape the things that I don't like. I drink because I like that feeling that I, I, I can relax into myself a little bit more. Right. And, oh, excuse you. You are like the hip, hiccup queen on our podcast. That's a free <laughs> bonus to all of our listeners. Free bonus. Alana will wake <laughs> hiccup. The hiccup burp. She's renowned for it in our family.
1: So, even here, I'm oh, renowned see? for it. Okay. So it's just you're welcome. my special quirk.
0: Yes. So we throw that in at no extra cost to our listeners. <laughs> you're welcome. So.
1: Yeah. Self-medicating.
0: Uh, yeah. Keep me on track here. So. I understand uh, that most people feel more strongly than I do when you drink alcohol or you smoke weed. You're escaping, like you're stressed about things and that accumulates and you want to escape from that. I do understand mm-hmm. that even though that is never maybe you you can't you've I, never I, experienced it. Well, no I have. It maybe 2% oh. of my Yeah, there are days I have a bad day and I'm like I know if I have a drink and I really I know if I have a drink and I relax, I will get that feeling, and alcohol also helps me sleep, and I don't really me have too. trouble sleeping, but if I've had a really keyed up stressful day, I know one, I relax, and, I get, and I'm a happy, an even more sarcastic, happier version of myself, and then I can sleep um, better, more easily. So I do at least, can, I can relate to people wanting to use it as an escape.
1: Having said Mm, that, it it (laughs) shouldn't be an escape, and that does lead to you having like an alcohol dependency or. Ah. Excellent. Being addicted to like whatever it is that your escape is, whether it be drugs or alcohol or I don't know what else is addictive aside from those two. Well, caffeine can be addictive, and that makes anxiety worse.
0: Correct. I mean, the Red Bull vodka thing, there's a lot of evidence about how absolutely bad that is. Not that, mm-hmm. like, I would think that that would, like, hey, this sounds like a great combination. I mean, I get why it sounded like a great combination, but it is a horrible idea. Um, but even not mixing them, and I also understand that if you have social anxiety and you have to be in a social place, drinking can take off the edge. Mm-hmm. However, because. But you shouldn't. Right.
1: You shouldn't get drunk cause that just makes things worse.
0: Well, and you use the word dependent and you that it does mm-hmm. lead to a dependence and an addiction, which is where that kind of mm-hmm. can tie into anxiety. Um, I would say from my experience and no medical or scientific background that – My family members that I'm close to that have the highest rates of anxiety also have the highest rates of being addicts because it's so easy to self-medicate and it escapes them from that moment. The problem is that we can look at the pattern and it actually makes anxiety worse. So what mm-hmm. you're doing to escape from anxiety is actually contributing to the anxiety attack. And one of your sisters has anxiety attacks very regularly if alcohol is involved.
1: Yeah. It wasn't even this regular growing up too. Like it's gotten worse and we can see that. Right. And I am I hope she knows that. But – the connection of why it's worse isn't there. Well,
0: I mean, from a medical standpoint, it's changing levels of the serotonin and the neurotransmitters in the brain, which can worsen it. It's also well, low blood sugar, dehydration, increased heart rate, increased stress.
1: I meant, like, in her mind, it's not there. Like, we can see oh, what's yeah. making it worse. And we can tell her what's making it worse, but that doesn't mean that she'll listen.
0: No. And, and that's going to happen. Um, there are also a lot of things like you guys were raised with a mom that was very, very healthy. I'm all about mm-hmm. healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And um, there's tea, there's smoothies. The, Ooh, I love tea. Right. Me too. Tart cherry juice, green tea, extra water. So there are things that you can avoid and then there's things that you can add exercise that'll make things better right and for someone who has to manage anxiety and then like you learning how you can push through it or that movement helps you or Mm -hmm. you know for your older sister she just has to give herself a pep talk and push through it because she knows she has a hundred percent success rate of making it to the other side of whatever is right that, that situation. So whatever's creating her stress, the first day of a new job, like she has a hundred percent success rate of completing the first day of a new job. Mm-hmm. So what's stopping her? From- so we need to power through this. So she talks herself through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and because alcohol is a depressant.
1: It doesn't make it. Better.
0: Right, and so again, I want to talk about a little bit about the connection between depression and anxiety. They don't have to go together, but they certainly can. And I think mm-hmm. when that stress um, is really overwhelming, because it does feel overwhelming—financial stress, work stress, friend stress—it um,
1: can get overwhelming.
0: Yeah. I mean, life is hard, you know, your car breaks down and then it gets broken into and then you get sick and have to go to urgent care and then your tire pops and then you're, you know, I mean, you have an issue with your roommate. It's always something. One thing after
1: the other. So there are ways to set yourself up so it doesn't happen like that. I actually think you're
0: more of it might've been that you had depression from past stuff before and that accident triggered the anxiety. Cause I think you have, here I am, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I play with it. Play one on TV. Yeah. It's anxious distress where you feel tense and restless and have trouble concentrating because you're so worried and then it triggers it. And so, and who knows, I might be I wrong, but um, You have a higher likelihood of being depressed if you have anxiety,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and you can have a higher rate of anxiety if you have some sort of depression, that wound up feeling. Mm -hmm. And because depression and anxiety look similar from the outside, unless you're actually having a panic attack, but just those internal battles, they do look Mm -hmm. very similar.
1: Yeah. Mm Yeah. I'm not saying it always does, but it can lead to addictions because no, I of the that. escape. Right.
0: That's I, I like that correlation. Started. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. When you said, when you said let's throw in
1: some addiction, I was like, really? Yeah. Right. Like you said that and I was just like, we could put something else that would also relate to both of them. So I looked at our little list and, like, towards the bottom it had addiction. And I was just like, bingo. And so I decided to be funny when I sent you a text and was just like, let's run some addiction. <laughs>
0: I'll take some anxiety with a little depression and a smattering of addiction today. Thank you. That would be fantastic. <laughs> here's the a, here's, here's a thing. 100% of the people that I have been exposed to, and at this point – It's at least 20 people that I have either, that are either family members or I have been in a long-term relationship with that I have worked with in their anxiety from a mom or a friend or a partner or from a, not from a a medical or professional standpoint, but just being a huge part Mm -hmm. of their lives, right? And a hundred percent of them don't want to feel that way. Well, yeah, it sucks. Right. So, in my mind as the person that doesn't have it, I think then stop doing all these things and start doing all these things and then get help on top of that
1: because doesn't that that make sense? But doing a big change like that can cause more anxiety. Yeah, right. And like they don't. They know that, so they don't want to change. But that's because they're looking more short-term instead of long-term. But that's also, I'm also in that boat.
0: Right, because you're not getting help, and I'm looking at you like, hello. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm going to go drink tea instead of a monster. Uh, 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 <laughs> well, I mean, I think
0: there. – the, okay, so first of all, the Internet can be your friend. There are a myriad of different things that can help. Exercise mm-hmm. is number one. The number one natural thing to help anxiety is exercise. Get outside and take a walk. Um, The next is meditation, which is super hard to do. So you can do guided meditation. And this isn't like a self-help podcast. This is us discussing really tough stuff, how it's related to you as a kid and me as a parent. And like you stated in the beginning, you really haven't talked. We've talked about your anxiety, but not the car accident. And, And the car accident really doesn't matter.
1: Well, yeah, I just I never mean, told you.
0: Right, like it started and we have to deal with it is more my training. Mm-hmm. If, if I can't help – if there's nothing to do to fix the car accident and the and the concussion, which there's not, um, then that's, that's moot just, at this point. It's just mm-hmm. an interesting chain of events that triggered a, uh, an emotional change in you. And that's the part that I would focus on. Mm-hmm. But um, relaxation, exercises, writing – time management, aromatherapy, Ooh. CBD. I do aromatherapy in the house. I have like most of your life.
1: I know. I love it. Right. But that doesn't I, mean I can't do CBD though.
0: In the military? Yeah. Right.
1: i get in trouble.
0: That's fine. But I mean, if I give you 10 natural remedies and you can't do one of them, like herbal tea is number eight, you know. I so
1: have tea to, too.
0: I think what's frustrating for me as the caretaker of the person with anxiety, let's call mm-hmm. me, I, that's a good name. There, yeah. a Title. Yes. Yes. I'm the caretaker in this situation. It feels awful for that person and it feels awful for me as a caretaker. And we both feel helpless in totally different ways and I can't fix it. Uh, when you come to me and you've got a cut or even a broken bone, I, can't, I, can, I can make sure that that gets fixed. I can neosporin the shit out of you. I can, I can give you the tea that makes you feel better. As a caretaker, a mom, there's a ton that I've done through all of your lives that helps you feel better. And then you hit this thing where a child comes to you with this in – in the state of a panic attack or massive anxiety, depression, addiction – and I can't Neosporin that. No. So it's a very helpless feeling from both ends. Um, so still from my perspective, I'm saying from the care pit taker's perspective, I'll be there 150% of the time. Every single time I get a phone call or a text mm-hmm. or a situation that comes up, I'm 150% there. But There's I can't just fix something. this. Yeah. You need to fix this. You need to take accountability and you need to go to to the doctor. I mean, whatever. I, you know, I told one of your sisters recently, you should have a doctor's appointment and get blood levels checked. Not because Mm. I think something's wrong. You're 19 years old or 21 years old or 23 years old. Okay. I don't think that there's anything wrong with your blood work. It's a very, very easy thing to get done and rule out. And you have a baseline. That's all. That's all it is. I'm not looking it's for answers. Smart to get it done. Okay, there you go. There's that too. I mean, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big huge advocate of preventative maintenance. You get your oil changed on your car, and you so take care of yourself. Down. Right. Um, this is the only body you're going to have. You, you don't get to replace it and keep going yet. Um, so if your body's breaking down, if you're breaking down, You need to be as preventative as possible. So my frustration with dealing with anxiety is 67% of you aren't getting help. And in a population of 18% in the United States. So thankfully, anxiety is a lower percentage, but still 18%. Mm -hmm. Okay? But 67% of you aren't doing anything about it, which makes your life fucking miserable and the person, the people around you that are caretakers or friends, it's almost unfair to continue to put someone. So if you're in that social situation that you bring your buddy with you, that you're putting that person in a position that at some point is going to seem a little unfair to continue to put them in. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Without getting other help on top of it. That person could well, be yeah. there. If I look at the things that you should cut out, Caffeine and alcohol, and you know make a budget all and that all stuff that, right, and then there's these things that you should do let's take a walk for twenty minutes every day um, and you're and you're it doesn't mean you're going to have a cure it's one and done and you're but if you're doing all the things that you can do, and I'm still your champion, that feels a lot better than the mm-hmm. person who's not doing anything, or even worse,
1: contributing to it, yeah that if you're contributing to it, then that's just a toxic person and no one needs toxic people in their life.
0: And I'm hoping, well, but you're not going to cut out, I'm not going to cut out my kids or my family members or my partner that I love or my whoever's struggling with the anxiety. You don't walk away from them. But um, it is a difficult thing to watch. Not only are... If you were, if we're talking about, if I'm pointing the finger at you, if you are not minimizing your exposure and maximizing the benefits, and on top of that, you're self-medicating and you're in this spiral, it's really, really difficult for the people supporting you Mm -hmm. because it's you're you're not just perpetuating the cycle, you're contributing to it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I would love feedback on this. Uh, I'm not trying to make anybody angry because I understand it's a very real thing. Right. It and, is. And when you're triggered, you are triggered. There is nothing. The person that I love more than, you know, anything in the world is my partner and he has mild anxiety, more like you have. Um, mm. And I, he's not doing it to me. I'm not angry with him. Um, you know, I, I know that if you're doing and not doing all of these things, you're still going to have anxiety, but it's much more manageable. And as a support system, I have a tremendous amount of patience and love and support and contribution in that situation because you're doing everything you can and you've gotten it down to this level. And so this is a manageable level. You are doing all the things. So I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna be like, hey, sucks to have that anxiety attack. I'm
1: out. <laughs> um, yeah, that just that makes it worse on the person. But I I think that no matter what the
0: issue is we're talking about, you are the only person, you are your own best advocate. You're also your own best critic, but you have to become your own best advocate. And you have to be the one that's doing your indeed can to figure out what helps and figure out what triggers And uh, try to find that balance and when you get down to that manageable level there are still more things you can do the number one treatment for anxiety is called CBT which is cognitive behavioral therapy a very specific kind of therapy I still am going to go on my personal I'm not a doctor but I play one on TV Mm -hmm. um I think everyone's different and where I thought energy work would be totally woo woo. When I really learned about it and opened myself up and I had someone who held that space for me. Um, it was the best thing ever for me better than anything. And I've done hypno and I've done all kinds of different things to try them out. You never know what works. Right. So I would say try, try everything even if you don't think it's going to work. um, and also depression and anxiety disorders are treated very similar. So this goes for both. So regardless of if they're connected or if they're not, uh, CBT um, helps changing your thought patterns with realistic. So it's retraining your brain to think in a different way. And you can write down positive affirmations and tattoo them on your body and say a mantra. Um, and it won't work if you don't actually believe it, which is – going into the brain. Mm -hmm. Now, although I am supernatural and I am not pro medication for the most part, I also think they have a place and sometimes that place is long term and sometimes that place is in the interim and I don't care. But I think when you hit a point that it's bad enough that it's affecting your life on maybe a daily basis or in a very overwhelming way, your ability to function um I don't think that first of all, antidepressants are the number one medication prescribed to people eighteen forty four years old. That says a lot in the u s mm-hmm. that's crazy. Number one, I would like ibuprofens not i antidepressant so I don't think that there's any shame or issue with utilizing an outside source in a way that even just interrupts the process. It's like alcohol where you get to take that breath from me. Yeah. Get to take that big breath and move on. I think that if you need it,
1: there's no shame in that. Like just imagine taking that big breath, but never having to come back. Right. Like, or being able to take breaths on a regular basis. Oh, that would be so nice.
0: Right? Because that's how I feel most of the time in life. Although I notice it more physically if I've had Mm -hmm. just a little bit of alcohol, but um, we also have the ability to have support groups. There's lots of relaxation techniques and places we can go yoga, breathing exercises. And um, no, don't, don't minimize it all. I'm, I'm not going to minimize the role as the caretaker or the support person.
1: No, so that's still a, a, great, a, a great role.
0: Yeah. And, it's, and important, it's important for you going through anxiety and me as a caretaker that, yes, that's a great role. Mm-hmm. So we're about at the end of our time. I feel like we've definitely bashed the crap out of anxiety, depression, and the, the way it can lead to addiction. And we have people that we have been concerned about in our family. Where mm-hmm. would you like to end?
1: Um, I think anxiety, depression, and addiction are all their own beasts, but they're all manageable. And they get worse if they're all combined. So it's better to deal with them one at a time and battle one demon at a time than to try and take them all on at once. Because that will just throw you down a pit. And you won't really get out of that. So I think it's easiest, in my opinion, to change smaller habits first. And lean away from the addiction so that it's not egging on the anxiety or depression. And then pick the lesser of the two. So whichever one's not as big of a demon and take it down first. Because if you take down that one demon, the other demon's not as big. Okay. All right. So it's knocking down the molehills. And I would say, in
0: my mind, my ending piece, because this is how my brain works, is to write down the list of things that are triggers, like physically write down the list. And next to that, write down the list of things that can help that are natural. And then maybe the things that are outside of that, like a yoga class, going to therapy. Mm-hmm you know, the things that you'd have to pay for. But I always start with the things that are free and determine what things you can cut out, what triggers your, you have, what things that can trigger anxiety, depression, addictive behaviors as as they are kind of meshed together um, and eliminate those because you can drink less coffee. That's not hard Mm -hmm. to eliminate.
1: No, it's not
0: um and you can take a walk and starting with those things one because they're free and two because they're manageable and not overwhelming no it's just a walk in a park you could do a 15 minute guided meditation that you download from youtube which i oh, they from. have they have apps for that too they do so i just think that You start with the things that are small and manageable and not overwhelming, that are free, that are easy, and notice a difference. I always like challenges. So I remember you guys growing up, I would challenge you. and One of the times (laughs) I told someone on the phone, I appreciate you, and I use this example a lot, and you guys were all like, I appreciate you. You always say that. And I challenged you to do it. Start telling people. to say it. uh, Say, I appreciate you, not I appreciate that, or I or thanks, look at them and say, I
1: appreciate you. You told me to say, I appreciate you instead of saying, thank you.
0: Yep. So challenge yourself, smile, see what it does. I like to be standing at at the front. If like there's a group of us walking and I'm at the front, I like to smile at the people walking towards us because I hope you guys behind me see it. There's just this person that's walking towards you that smiles Mm -hmm. And whether that person smiled first or I'm triggering it, but I like to try my, I have a goal to trigger, to smile, to trigger other people to smile because, and then anyone who's behind me will see them smile and it will trigger them to smile. So do silly little dorky challenges that are easy. Mm -hmm. You don't have to believe it's going to work. No. Just feel like challenge accepted. I'm going to do it. Try to prove us wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do it to prove us wrong. You'll see, we're right.
0: <laughs> you will, but also you'll have the benefit of having done it mm-hmm. because it makes a bigger difference within you than it's doing to the people around you. But it's it's compound interest because you're making a difference to everyone. Well,
1: you. Yeah, and it's a positive difference. It is, which is better and start small. One. And
0: like, if you're worried about finances, scheduling therapy appointments is going to stress you out more. So don't start there.
1: Well, no, start by. Budgeting, like talking to a financial advisor and figuring out a budget that works for you and still gives you a little bit of play money. Yes. Yeah,
0: so while saving. What about green tea? Okay, I I have green tea. It's in my cabinet. I'll start drinking it in the morning, you know. Um
1: switch it out for coffee. Or
0: drink one cup instead of four. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that could help too. On that hiccup, I think we've given perspective for the person going through it, the perspective of mom and child, the person going through it, and the caregiver or support, and tips and tricks that can help people. And now I'm just excited about feedback. Yeah, me too. All right. Any more hiccups for us today? No, I think that's it. Just the four. Okay. Well, we will uh, be here next time with more hiccups. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today on our adventure. We love engaging with all of you, so comment or get in touch.
1: I'm glad you were willing to bear it all with us today. We look forward to hearing from you.